0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So a few weeks ago here on this program, we had a very interesting thing take place where One of the all-time greats of our program and a good friend of ours made a pretty remarkable prediction, and I think we have some evidence that that it might be coming true. I want to talk to you about that here over the course of our time here today. Let me first go back in time a little bit to yesterday on this because one of the things we played for you was Kirby Smart's evaluation of how his pass catchers were working out about what he had seen from them during that initial scrimmage on Saturday, one of those important corner poles you have to get around for the start of the upcoming season. This is Georgia moving from its practice facility to Sanford Stadium. This is creating something that sort of feels like real football. And some of you who are kind of fancy high-dollar boosters and things like that, you had a chance to see this in person. The uh, media got a chance to watch a couple of minutes of this but Kirby Smart when it's all said and done was good enough to kind of share his perspective about some of what he had seen and some of what he talked about there was kind of related to some of those pass catching targets and a name in particular kind of jumped out from what Smart said I told you on today's show we would talk more about this so let's get ready to do this but first a quick reminder of Kirby Smart from yesterday here's Kirby
1: Dylan Bell Mason plays today Jackson Meeks made some plays today um, if you're counting him as young because I mean, nowadays sophomore's not young sophomore's old you know 40 percent of our team 35 percent of our team is freshmen so uh you know i thought Dilla Bell stepped up and made some plays and flashes oscar made some plays at tight end counting him as a you know receiving weapon so those guys continue to do a good job but we just don't have the depth at receiver you know i thought Roseme did a good job today ad made a few plays um but we were you know we're going to have to be really good on the perimeter to be explosive uh, yeah, we've got good tight ends, but we've got to be good outside to, to complement the tight ends. And we need to get Den Island back, and we need to get Dylan Bell rolling to get where we need to get at wide out.
0: So Kirby Smart right there says we need to get Dylan Bell rolling and talked about some of the things that he had done there for Georgia during that scrimmage. And I think that kind of piqued the interest of some of the reporters who were on hand. And for some of us who've been talking about Bell now for a few weeks – I think that got kind of got some curiosity flowing there a little bit too well what exactly is going on with Dylan Bell this is another guy kind of in line with some of what George has had in recent years of uh, of wide receivers who've come into the program and you know not exactly had robust accolades and yet in a couple of previous instances some of those guys who are relatively lowly rated as recruits have gone on to great success for the program so I think a lot of folks kind of wanted to know well, tell me a little bit more about what is exactly going on with Dylan Bell. And Smart did go into more detail on that. I want to read you here. This is what uh Smart said about Dylan Bell. Uh going back more on Saturday. He says, well, he's gonna work his way through the rotation by necessity, meaning that right now you got Denal Moore said who's been a little bit banged up. Obviously, Arian Smith, as we've discussed. He's gonna be out for several weeks at least. Uh, Smart says we don't have the depth at that position it's every year I don't think that across the country you'll see four senior wideouts he says show me where you have four senior wideouts show me where you have two seniors and two juniors wideouts are very similar to where if they don't get the ball they're gone he means they're going to transfer he says you constantly have new players if they are really good they're gone to the draft that is where one of our juniors is everything is cyclical right now at wideout we don't have great depth we have a couple of injuries those young guys are getting you know thrust out there and they have to go up we have done it before." we've had productive young wide receivers and smarts right you know even going back to last year uh and that by the way was a quote from kirby smart from saturday uh just last year some of Georgia's most productive wide receivers were relatively young guys and much like what maybe dylan bell could be this year if this turns out to be a little bit of foreshadowing of success for him during the season it is unheralded recruits that kind of led the way on that ad mitchell was one of the stars in the fourth quarter of the national championship game when he first arrived to Georgia I don't know that anybody expected him to become the player that he became however you remember this started getting a lot of praise right there during his first spring practice proved himself to be a reliable target throughout the year and then had the heroic moment in the national championship game Lad McConkey, much the same way When Ladd first arrived here, you know, you didn't necessarily know what to expect from him. He doesn't necessarily look the part, a little shorter than the typical wide receiver might be. But at different points during that 2021 season, this former relatively unheralded recruit had moments of athleticism where you're left kind of saying, wow, he runs well. He, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but he can go up high point the football when he needs to. This guy who brings, you know, athleticism to the table and guys like McConkie and Mitchell clearly last year outperformed their former recruiting ranking and a guy who joins us each and every week here on this show the the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards has said that he thinks that Dylan Bell could be the next in line on all of that and as you know Edwards words on this subject carry a lot of weight because he is the only player in Georgia football history to ever get more than a thousand yards receiving in a single season so Edwards loves his alma mater watches this position closely coaches at a high level now played it at a high level years ago and on Twitter back during the summer he kind of said something that got everybody kind of stirred up for a moment because he said he saw in Bell what he had previously said he had seen in McConkie and uh, Mitchell in fact let me read this to you this is Terrence on Twitter saying I predicted that uh A.D. Mitchell would be a star last season and he did become one Well, Kirby's found another one in Dylan Bell. He's built like a running back, 6'1", 214 pounds, got natural hands. He says, I can't wait to see how Brian McClendon develops this kid. And so right there, that's Terrence Edwards on Twitter going back to June, saying that he thinks that Dylan Bell could travel a similar path to what A.D. Mitchell traveled for Georgia a year ago. And Terrence kind of also said some of those same things about Ladd McConkie there as well. And when you listen to Smart going back to Saturday, the quote that I read from you, the clip that I played for you, I think you're left to kind of conclude that you know maybe that's kind of the case now when Terrence said that back in June I did go into more detail with him or ask him to go into more detail on our show about exactly what you mean by that and the question I asked you know Terrence directly is when you see a guy like Bell coming to this program out of the state of Texas a high school player like what is it that you're looking for like why would you say a guy like Bell has a chance to 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 be better than the recruiting ranking suggested that he would be. This was Terrence a few weeks ago answering that question about what it was about Bell that he liked and why he thought he got a chance to to really exceed the expectations that might have been in place for him. This is Terrence Edwards from back then.
2: Oh, uh, the very first thing that you'll notice if you if you meet the young man is his sheer size. Uh, legit 6'2", legit two hundred and fourteen pounds. He he's built like a running back and. I didn't know who he was, never met the young man, but I was talking to Mike Bobo, and uh saw him. I was like, who is that? He said, like, that's Dylan Bell, and I got to watch him work out a little bit, and he's a natural receiver but built like a running back. So there's a lot of things that you could do with him offensively um, that could take advantage of that skill set, and he catches the ball so naturally, and he plucks it out there. So um, what his role is going to be this year, that I don't know, but I do know Dog Nation um, – we need to be very excited about another guy that's not a five-star, that's not didn't have the, the all the big offers, but he is a player that I'm excited about. See how his development, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how B-Mac develop him, knowing he's uh, developed guys like Debo Samuels and, and Braylon Edwards, and I'm really excited to see what B-Mac and company could do with this kid because I think he he has a bright future.
0: When well, a guy like Terrence, who knows the position as well as he does, and who loves the position as well as he does when he says those kinds of things i'm going to lean in i'm going to listen a little bit more and listen i'm also aware of this too that a place like georgia where the media if you want to call it an ecosystem which is probably kind of a fancier phrase than i should use but like the media industrial complex built up around uga is just very big and so by the time you get to the start of any season every player has sort of been hyped because there's just a lot of hyping that's going on i am fully aware of that but there are some voices who matter more so than others. And I would say that Terrence is one of those voices that does kind of matter. And when he can tell you some specific things that he likes about Bell, to me, as I said, I'm going to lean in a little bit more on that. And when Bell's story, as echoed by some of the stuff that Smart said on Saturday, kind of reminds you of similar proofs of concept for like last year with A.D. Mitchell and Lad McConkey, all of a sudden that means a little bit more too. And I think it is at this point in which you have to be also kind of realistic about what's truly going on for Georgia wide receiver. Georgia can, for the most part, get almost anyone it wants at almost every position across the board. Georgia has great, virtually unprecedented unprecedented recruiting success at nearly every stop across the football field right now. That's just kind of the way that that is. Wide receiver, though, is the one spot where it's a little bit different. Even different than quarterback, you know, for everything that everybody wants to say about Georgia and kind of, you know, how it throws the ball, passing game, things like that. The truth is, is that in recent years, Georgia's actually recruited the quarterback position really well. It's one of the reasons why there's so many, you know, seemingly talented guys in the room here at the moment. Receiver, though, has been the place where Georgia's maybe had the hardest thing to sell or maybe the most susceptible to negative recruiting. You would just, you know, fully acknowledge that. So that's kind of the truth of the matter here. And yet your solution to that problem is to succeed with who you have. And then, when you succeed with who you have, eventually you can also get whoever you want. The same way Georgia does, at virtually every other position group. And there's no doubt right now that that's what's going on. There's no there's no question right now that that's what the case is. That this right now is a Georgia team that has gotten as much as anyone could have hoped for out of Ad Mitchell has gotten as much as anyone could have hoped for out of Lad McConkey and now maybe trying to do the same thing with dylan bell now if you listen closely to kirby smart he's also telling you hey be careful assuming too much be careful you know trying to make this into something that it's not that some of dylan bell's role and what's happening at uga practice is related to the fact that georgia just doesn't have huge numbers there right now because of a couple of injuries and and because everybody's a little bit thin at wide receiver fully acknowledging all of that there is a certain aspect of bell's story that kind of rhymes with we have heard the last couple of years. And for Georgia that's trying to unlock its full offensive potential, I do think it's a nice thing to be able to say that Georgia has gotten more out of receivers recently than the recruiting rankings would have suggested that was possible. And if it's happened before, no reason to believe it couldn't happen again. Terrence Edwards said a few weeks ago, Dylan Bell may be the next guy. And lo and behold, maybe Terrence is going to turn out to have been right. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans good morning to you and thanks for being with us no matter how you get to us today live on video we start 9 45 first in 15 dognation.com Dog Nation app we're 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch radio noon athens sports radio 9 6 the podcast wherever you find them including the world famous dognation.com incredibly happy to have you with us also big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of george for making it all possible you know esog they can step up and help you in a couple of important ways when it comes to your foundation your waterproofing issues that's something to know when you think about our friends at engineered solutions of georgia they're solutions based company what that means is when you've got a problem and if it's waterproofing stuff that's a big problem if it's foundation stuff that's a big problem when you've got a problem like that engineered solutions of georgia wants to be your solution to that problem and if it's a small fix they want to keep it small for you they'll tell you to the car the hardware store and like buy whatever thing you need to buy But if it's something more substantial than that, they want to be right there alongside for you on that journey, too. And let's face it. They've got a full team of engineers on staff to help you. There's nobody else in our market who can say that for you. That's the kind of resources they bring to the table when it comes to helping you with that water you see creeping into the house where it's not supposed to be, or those cracks in the walls, potentially a sign of a much larger foundation issue. Engineered Solutions of Georgia brings a ton of resources to the table for you to help you with that, including an entire team of engineers ready to do work on maybe the most important thing in your life, your home, because it's the investment, it's the. uh, sort of the emotional connection you have to that ESOG understands all of that and they're right there for you they're also proud partners of UGA fun to support those that support the dogs long time friends of ours here on dog nation daily and I tell you I just really appreciate those of you who continue to show such generosity to those who help keep us on the air here lights turned on microphones working and everything else and we couldn't do it today without our friends at engineered solutions of georgia so do me a favor give them a call 678-ESOG now even if you just want to say thanks for being a part of dog nation daily give them a call uh but more importantly let them know that you got a foundation issue or some sort of you know wet spot in your garage that you know is probably not a great sign let engineered solutions of georgia do what they do for you so call them 678-ESOG now that's 678-ESOG now that'll get you in touch with engineered solutions of georgia all right let's go around the doghouse here today now before well, actually we'll get connor let, let me let me tell you about the rest of the show for a second um we'll get connor riley coming up in a moment that'll be our kroger fresh take with him fun stuff from connor eyewitness observation from uga practice we'll talk to connor about that later on in today's show i'm going to give you more information about another high-profile freshman for UGA that seems to be bursting on the scene in a pretty good way we'll tell you all the latest details on that before we're done but for now let's go around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union and the preseason AP poll came out yesterday and I think that there is some good and some bad news as it relates to this from Georgia now later on I'll talk the entire thing the other SEC teams that are in there but for a moment, let me just kind of focus in on the top five here for a second. By now, you probably know where Georgia ranks because it's the same place that Georgia's ranked in the official coaches poll that came out the other day and every one of these sort of way too early polls that's going kind to of take in place the, uh, the last few months. So you're looking at Bama at one, Ohio State at two, Georgia coming in at number three ahead of Clemson and then Notre Dame. The one interesting thing about the AP poll compared to the coaches poll is while Georgia was number three slotted behind Ohio State in the coaches poll, they actually got more first place votes from the coaches than Ohio State did. In this particular case, Ohio State got slightly more first place votes than Georgia did. So top three, the exact same. The number of first place votes going to the Buckeyes and the Dogs slightly different here on this but that's your top five. You pretty well could have filled that out yourself prior to even knowing. And it's been fairly obvious what this is going to be. And I think for Georgia here, and you can take that down now if you want to. I think for Georgia here, there is probably some good news related to this and probably some bad news related to the preseason AP poll that was released yesterday. Here's the good news. The arch nemesis for the dogs, Alabama at preseason number one that's actually in recent years not necessarily been that great of a place to be. If you go back and look, and I did this this morning before the show, at the last five preseason AP polls that have come out dating back 2017, there has only been one year in the last five where the team ranked number one in the AP preseason poll went on to win the national championship. That was Bama going back to 2017. That's the only time in the last five years preseason number one has won the national championship. So for all these people are like, oh, Alabama, Georgia, you may have enjoyed it last year, but Alabama's coming back to take what belongs to them, rebuilding year, blah, 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 blah. For all the people who keep saying that over and over again, history would suggest it's actually not going to be that easy for Alabama to do that because the media has a habit of just getting this wrong. And this is one of the reasons why I have been so critical of the groupthink that dominates kind of like the fanciest corridors of power in college football, erudite media, coaches, things like that. They all seem to think the same thing and yet history would prove the same thing they all think is almost never right. So maybe a little bit less uniformity in opinion might make some sense given the fact that everybody almost always agrees about the wrong thing at the beginning of the season. So if you're a Georgia fan, I think you should take that. It's pretty good news. The team that everybody says that's better than your team right now, well historically when the media has made this kind of prediction in the past they've almost always gotten it wrong and maybe they'll end up getting this wrong about Alabama too falling in line with recent years but around here we try to be not quite objective that's never really been a goal of ours but sometimes we'll sort of jokingly say fair and balanced here's my sort of fair and balanced moment here there as well where Georgia comes in at number three and this ain't good news now I don't know that it means anything necessarily but this is not really very good news. but if you look at the last five years of the team that started the season number three in the preseason uh, AP poll. Do you know that only one of those three teams has made the playoff? It was Bama in 2020. Clemson last year number three didn't make the playoff. Unfortunately, Georgia in 2018-2019 preseason number three didn't make the playoff in each of those years. Florida State, believe it or not, was preseason number three in 2017. They weren't even ranked at the end of the year. So while it's maybe good news that the preseason number one hist- historically doesn't win the national championship, at least recent history, that doesn't win, uh, that might be good for UGA. Boy, something about that number three ranking has not exactly been a ticket punch to the college ball playoff in recent seasons. Now, this may be one of those things that's only interesting and not important, but I do think because there are so many decades worth of history with the AP poll, the preseason ranking has a little bit of meaning to me because I do think it's a pretty interesting snapshot at what the common opinion is prior to the start of the year. And we know that almost every year, at least one top ten team that starts in the preseason will finish unranked. Uh more than half the teams in the preseason poll will probably finish unranked. There is almost always a lot of error that corrects itself over the course of the season. But nonetheless, the snapshot becomes a pretty interesting starting point to work with and where georgia is they're kind of fighting against some history when it comes to the recent slate of number three teams and number one alabama i guess kind of doing the same thing maybe that just sort of means it's ohio state's year i I don't know but uh but that is indeed the case there and that is around the doghouse presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union listen there's a lot to like about georgia's own credit union i certainly understand that you know that too but one of the things i also want to make sure you're aware of there as well are those Visa, Signature, and Platinum cards that come your way from Georgia's own credit union. This is a great experience because... When you're making the purchase that you're making in your regular life, using the Visa Signature and Platinum card from George's Own is an incredibly convenient way to do the things you're kind of already doing. Because, first of all, it offers contactless payment. That's always a nice thing to be able to do. But you can also earn flex rewards, which you can use for just about anything. I'm talking about gift cards or cash back or travel, merchandise, really great stuff. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a New platinum or signature card. Now, there are some restrictions that apply, so check out the website for more details on that. It's own.org. That's Georgia spelled out. org. Great stuff going on with them, and great to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse here for you today. Now, I told you this before. Before we're done, we'll look a little bit more deeply at the rest of the teams the preseason AP poll because it's also important to know. That last year's national champion georgia came from outside the top three they were number five the 2019 national champion came outside that top three there as well lsu started at number six so the rest of the ap rankings probably matter a little bit too half dozen sec teams in there we'll talk about that we'll tell you more about a five star freshman for georgia who seemed to turn some heads on saturday for some lucky folks who saw that scrimmage we'll do all that before we're done but for now on everything else that happened at George's first scrimmage on Saturday, what we, the media, got to see a little bit and kind of the whispers that are kind of growing around all of that. Let's cover all of those bases right now. It's a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I'll bring in Connor Riley, Kroger Fresh Take with him here today and kind of I want to talk to you a lot more about what's been going on at UGA practice we'll get to that here in a moment but I do want to bring you on the AP poll discussion here for a moment I actually think the preseason preseason AP poll is pretty fun I know some people are like wow we do polls before the season begins I realize that's kind of a long-standing debate among some college football fans but to me I I do think there are extractions that can be made from the poll I, I kind of half kiddingly half seriously pointed out a couple of recent trends of you know, number three teams not making the playoff that potentially doesn't suggest good things for Georgia, but also, you know, in the last five years, only one preseason number one has gone to win the national championship. Maybe that's bad news for the tide there as well. Beyond that, what was your takeaway about seeing a fairly easy to predict uh, top five, at least, from the AP poll yesterday?
3: Yeah, so I think I'm most interested in the teams that finished uh, four, five, six, and seven. And uh, according to Bretton Murphy, all but two teams since 2004, I believe that have won the national title have started in the top seven. That was Auburn in 2010 and Florida State in 2013. And four was Clemson, five was Notre Dame, six was Texas AM, and 7 was Utah. And those are teams, Clemson aside, and Notre Dame sort of its own beast and its own, but really a and and Utah, I, I think it speaks to where college football is right now and whether or not people are really going to take those teams seriously as possible playoff contenders. I think those top three teams, where you outline the concerns I just think they have such a wide talent edge and schematic edge over the rest of the teams in college football right now
1: well let
0: me do two things with you on this really quickly if you look at the top national contenders because Connor we like having a college football conversation around here and one of the ones that we've been kind of having for the last few months is okay it's fairly easy to put George and Bama back in the playoff they were both there a year ago based on where it stands relative to its conference competition it may be relatively easy to put Ohio State in there as well but you got to have four playoff teams. Who is that fourth team going to be? I don't know that I'm quite ready to believe in Clemson yet, although I view it as a possibility. I'm not a full-on believer in them, so that makes it even harder for me to find that fourth playoff team. I'll tell you the one somewhat national contender that I'm willing to sort of maybe try to get in on the ground floor on maybe kind of sort of buy at a relatively decent price right now and that's oklahoma now i don't know how the kill gundy thing factors into all of this and uh for the moment i'm going to sort of pretend like that didn't happen but in terms of what i expect them to be on the field i believe their season win total is about nine and a half um i could see them being better than some people think they're going to be and if you're looking for one of those teams kind of outside the top three that could make some noise to me, Oklahoma is, is maybe the one somewhat national contender who I might give a second look to there on that. Do you agree with that, or do you have a different team in mind?
3: I completely disagree with that. I think Oklahoma has just had too much turnover from where it was last year. You have a first-time head coach in Brent Venables. Uh, I just don't too many unknowns there, not to mention the Kale Gundy uh, resignation after what happened there. I, I just don't believe in Oklahoma, and I, I think the Big 12 has some really decent teams in there. You know, not certainly Texas, but I love what Baylor is doing under Dave Aranda. I think Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy has shown they can be a competent team year in, year out. Uh, if I had to go a team outside of those top three, I mean, Clemson, I kind of believe they can follow the Georgia blueprint, and I know people are going to get mad that I said that, but that defense is loaded. And if, if DJ Uyungle or K. Kubrick can figure it out, I, I think there's enough there for Clemson to make a push. If I had to go sort of outside the box, a team that I think could potentially – push for a playoff spot it's tough right now it's hard i'd be really interested to see what michigan does this year i know they lost a lot new defensive coordinator there new offensive coordinator there as well but they've developed really well year in year out and i still think despite losing aiden hutchinson David Ajabo off the edge there that was still a really really good team a season ago and so i'm interested in seeing what michigan looks like this year especially with some of the skill talent they have coming back
0: So you mentioned A&M and where it's ranked. And after this, I want to get more heavily into Georgia. But you mentioned A&M and where it's ranked in the preseason poll. That's too high for me, even though, generally speaking, I think the Jimbo Fisher's doing uh, probably a better job than some people give him credit for with the Aggies. That's still too high for me, just relative to their offensive concerns. But, Connor, I'm going to put A&M in a box with LSU, probably even Florida and Auburn here on this. Relatively talented teams who don't know who their starting quarterback is. And I'm going to tell you – That if A&M finds a quarterback, that's a very dangerous football team. Or if LSU were to find a quarterback out of Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, that's a pretty good football team there, too. I think that Florida has a relatively high enough talent level that if Anthony Richardson is what some of these Gators fans think he could be, that could be a relatively dangerous team. And even Auburn, who's probably the thinnest of those teams that I mentioned, if somehow, some way they were to find a quarterback who plays better than they played in recent years, Calzada or probably T.J. Finley, the two guys most likely to win that job. I wouldn't even completely exclude them from that there, too. In other words, I see A&M ranked high, but for me, a and actually in a category of probably at least four other SEC teams with some talent but mystery at quarterback. The team that solves that mystery is probably pretty dangerous this year.
3: I would agree with that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Texas A&M. Brent, who's the last good quarterback that Jimbo Fisher had? Uh, I know he gets tabbed as a, a quarterback whisperer, but... The last objectively good quarterback he had, maybe a year of DeAndre Francois. Otherwise, yeah. you're going back to James That's right. That's in right.
2: 2014
3: there. I have questions about where his offense is in the modern game of college football. I think if, you, if I had to pick one of those teams that I like the most, it's LSU. I love their skill talent. Uh, Keyshawn Buett is a really talented player. They have some dudes on that defensive side of the ball and look I know Brian Kelly might be kind of corny but he's won everywhere he's been and the last three coaches at LSU have all won national titles all being pretty different people and so I'm choosing to believe in the infrastructure and talent that is there in LSU that maybe they surprise some people get to 9-10 wins in year one
0: all right so let's look fully at the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment I had a chance to see practice on Saturday that's something I don't get a chance to do very much you're there all the time including I believe later on today there as well so let me let you take this where you want to for a moment. What are you kind of viewing as your key takeaways from the start of Georgia's preseason camp thus far?
3: It was around this time last year that we all sort of started thinking like, hey, this defense might be really, really good. Uh, you know, they brought back a lot of talent. The words we were hearing from Kirby Smart seemed to indicate that this team was ahead of where defenses had been for Georgia in the past. Even though Georgia had fielded the top ten defenses in the past. I think this offense this year might be really, really, really good. Uh, they have the weapons. They have a, an established quarterback in Seton Bennett who appears to have been making strides. Kenny McIntosh emerging, I think, is one of the sneaky big stories of this fall. We've sort of we talked about it here, whether it's going to be a rotation of backs or one-two punch. It really seems like Kenny McIntosh has established himself, and I think that only furthers what we believe this offensive line is going to be, or this offense is going to be, leading him to next point on the offensive line. Uh, you know, I do think if Tate Rattledge heals from turf, toe, uh, who, they're going to have bigger guards this year between Devin Willard, Tate Rattledge, and Xavier Truss there. I think that's going to make for a more physical offensive line. And, and even without Arian Smith, I love what they have with the wide receiver position, provided those guys stay healthy. And then, of course, to top it all off, I don't think we appreciate Foley because we'll talk about stats and whether he lives up to what he did last year. Like, Brock Bowers was just a really great football player and, and – Seeing him out there, until you see him play in person, I don't think you gain the full appreciation for just how effortless he makes the game of football look. And so when you combine all of that together, I think that Jordan's going to have a really special offense this year.
0: Kirby Smart does not use the word great very frequently, and he described Kenny McIntosh Saturday as having a great camp. Actually, when talking about McIntosh, he used the word great three times, but it's specifically on the notion of uh, McIntosh having a great camp. Connor, that's the kind of compliment that coming from Smart sort of means something that that he doesn't just like you know the player. He likes the way in which the player is going about his business, and that probably was one of the bigger takeaways from me from Saturday. In fact, I started the show Monday by talking about it because all of a sudden now I've got Macintosh on my really short list of players I'm probably most excited about seeing this fall. The buzz around McIntosh kind of puts him in that category. And that's not to disrespect Kendall Milton, because I think Kendall Milton, when healthy, is a really good player too. But based on what was said on Saturday about McIntosh and the kind of things we're also kind of hearing there as well, of as a fan of this team, which I am, I'm really excited about seeing him.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know if you played the sound from Todd Munkin when he was talking about Kenny, but he brought up a name that I think is a pretty interesting comparison in terms of what they'd be able to do he compared Kenny McIntosh to DeAndre Swift. Hmm. And, and I think that, that comparison is really interesting to me. If you look at the way Swift was used in 2019, or even in 2018 when he was splitting time with Elijah Holyfield, he was a really productive, game-breaking player there. And Maybe they leaned on him a little too much in that 2019 season, didn't have a second running back developed or ready to sort of ease his workload there. But if you're telling me that Kenny McIntosh plays like 2018 DeAndre Swift for this team – Uh, that takes this offense to another level to where, you know, I I, I get Ohio State, the skill players they have, Alabama has Bryce Young. There might not be an offense better in college football if Kenny McIntosh is playing at that level that DeAndre Swift did, say, back in 2018.
0: That's fun to think about. It really is. All right, let me do two more things about what's happening right now. One of these is bad. One of these is good. Let me start with the bad thing. So yesterday I had John Stinch come on the show, and – like sometimes i ask questions in the hope that i'll get the answer that i'm looking for just to be completely honest with you and i asked john about the tate ratledge thing obviously ratledge held out on saturday for what was described as a turf toe and i asked john hey how much would you be concerned about this now my hope is because i think that pound for pound ratledge may actually be george's best offensive lineman when healthy at least he has a chance to be um but my 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 hope was john's gonna be like ah it's not a big deal it's august or whatever you know he's gonna be fine that's not exactly what John said though. Uh Connor, he said no, I, you know, just given the history, different kind of injury as described, but different, you know, but just given the history, big man with a foot, that that he would be pretty concerned about about that and I guess now that John says he's concerned, now I'm concerned too because I do think even a national championship year, Georgia really missed Ratledge last season. What do you make of that? And I guess you can use that to talk about the offensive line in total if you want to. But um, I didn't get the news I was looking for yesterday when it comes to a guy who's played the offensive line position at a high level on the subject of Ratledge and his current injury.
3: So I think I'm uniquely qualified to talk about this because when I was a junior in high school, I had curved toe in both of my feet. Oh, wow. And it, it, it is just really, you can't play through it because, especially when you're an offensive lineman, your feet are getting stepped on every play. You're pushing off with the front of your feet. And it's just putting more and more pressure on that toe. And the only way it heals is just by resting it and not doing anything. And I think that's pretty clearly what Georgia was doing on Saturday with Tate Ratliff. And I agree with you. His presence was certainly missed last year on the offensive line. And, you know, you think back, you know, he's obviously a big man, 6'6", 325 pounds. You think back to like some NBA players who they just developed chronic foot problems and, and it really derailed their career. Uh, Bill Walton, Yao Ming, sort of undermined there. And obviously, Kate's not that tall. But when you start adding up multiple foot injuries, and I'll consider Turkto to be a foot injury in addition to a Lisfranc, even though Kirby Smart says they are not related. When you keep having injuries to your feet, it, it, it just raises red flags. As I think John points out there, especially when you are of that size, you're pushing off, your feet are getting stepped on all the time. And so I do think that Georgia is right to be cautious with him. Uh, And, you know, I think the important thing here, sort of like we saw last year with Roger Jones, it wasn't so much important for him to be the guy at the start of the season, but they needed him to be the guy at the end of the season in game 15. good comparison. They need Kate Ratliff to be that same thing for them this year. And I, I, I trust enough on what Georgia has on the rest of its offensive line with Devin Willis with a trust there. Jared Wilson is also a guy who's getting some nice reps there with the first team on Saturday. Uh, you know, they may not necessarily need Tate Ratliff game one, game three at South Carolina, uh, game eight against Florida, but game 13 against Alabama in the SEC championship game, game 14 against Ohio State or whoever that might be in the playoffs, that's really when they need Tate Ratliff. So I do think Georgia is wise here to be cautious with the way they use Tate Ratliff. and and not put too much mileage on his feet because he, as I think you and I both agree, is that special of player.
0: All right, so now I'm depressed. Uh, So I got to switch something happy because uh, while I think that your overall assessment's right, that the late portion of the season really matters for him, you know, you certainly didn't do anything to make me feel any better about an injury situation I was already pretty concerned about. So let me switch to a much happier topic here, which is, and this is not going to get attention on the SEC network this is not a Paul Feinbaum topic but I do think it's important for Georgia and it's slightly in the weeds here a little bit but you and I both have talked before about pretty quietly Darian Kendrick had a very good year for Georgia a year ago and replacing him is is maybe one of those untold stories for Georgia pretty important this year Connor I came away from Saturday I believe it was an answer to a question you may have asked I came away on Saturday thinking that Kirby Smart likes his cornerback situation. Obvious, uh, I should say, opposite of Keely Ringo. It may not be obvious yet as to whether it's going to be Kamari Laster, Nyland Green, or whoever else. But I got the sense that Kirby is feeling pretty good about that cornerback spot, and that makes me as a Georgia fan feel pretty good too. Did you get the same read on that?
3: Yeah, and I even go a step further. You know, they like where Nyland Green is at. He's made some significant strides from from what for with him was a pretty down freshman year. But I came away, Tamari Lassiter is going to be stopped starting off with a Keely Ringo against Oregon. And, and I've sort of been fishing around this for a while, even getting back to the spring, trying to get some decent intel on, on Lassiter. And, and we finally sort of got it on Saturday. This is a guy who, you know, ironically enough, of the, of the scholarship cornerback in Georgia's room, he was the lowest rated recruit, the number 248 recruit. It speaks to the talent they have there in that room. And he's just come in from the second he arrived here last summer, just busted his tail and gotten better in each and every practice. It is not a coincidence to me that this guy has been outstanding in both fall camps. I think that shows what kind of a worker he is. You heard Kirby Smart mention he is maybe perhaps the most physical tackling corner they have on the team. He made some nice plays and coverage on Adonai Mitchell, we have been told. And so I think he is slowly piercing and putting it all together. And when you add in Nylon Green there and Keely Ringo, they like what they have in terms of that top-end depth. Now, they're going to have to develop guys behind them because, you know, injuries are obviously going to happen to this team over the course of the season. And so how they develop the back end of that cornerback room is really going to shore up things there. But, you know, for a question that was a concern at some point during this offseason, I think if you sort of elaborated there beforehand, I think Georgia feels pretty good about where it is at the quarterback spot right now as we are less than three weeks out from the first game of the season. All
0: right, I've got a quick final question for you. Let me remind folks before that. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And, of course, Kroger's always got great things for you. And I want to make you know about the great Kroger Chef Junior event taking place right now. One more great chance to experience this in the month of August. It's August 27th to make one of those delicious fruit pizzas, which is a great healthy snack. And we always think around here that it's – a lot easier to get your kids to eat something healthy if they're a part of the preparation process, which Kroger Chef Junior gives them a chance to do. So, coming up on August 27th, one more chance this month to be a part of that. Uh, it's a 30-minute class where your child's going to receive an apron and patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and a pizza cutter. It's just seven dollars per child to be a part of that. Make a fruit pizza here this uh, month coming up on August 27th. So, if you want to learn more about this, check out KrogerChefJunior.com. It's Kroger Chef Junior. The word Junior spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that Connor last thing here on the subject of true freshmen we talked about Dylan Bell a little bit off the top of the program a moment ago I'm going to get more into Malachi Starks in a little bit here too is there anything less surprising than Starks who kind of always had the athletic look and the interview styling of a team captain that he's having a good camp that seems to me a fairly easy thing to predict and it seems like that's kind of coming together here a little bit but beyond Bell and Starks what else do you see happening with these true freshmen here at the moment
3: yeah, I've heard some good things about Oscar Delph and the way they're using him. I thought it was interesting that Kirby you know, sort of signified that maybe they were using him more as a receiver than, say, necessarily a true tight end, and I think he's definitely got the athletic gift to do that. I also want to shout out a guy here that I don't think has gotten a whole lot of praise. I think we've talked about him a little bit on this show. Uh, in terms of getting to see these freshmen up close, there is not a more physically impressive dude on that team, perhaps, than Darius Smith. 6'6", He is thicker now than I think Adam Anderson ever was. Long arms, like longer than Andrew Thomas' arms. It's really encouraging for me to hear that he's already a guy that is making an impact on special teams. For a guy that, you know, wasn't really all that hyped up coming out of there, down out of Applin County in Baxley, Georgia, I think that is a guy, Darius Smith, who Georgia really found a gem. And, you know, we'll talk a lot about Marvin Jones Jr. in the future there, C.J. Madden as well. But I'm really, really interested – and how Garius Smith goes on to develop during his sort of career, because it looks like he's got every single tool in the
0: toolbox. Connor, that is great stuff. I certainly appreciate your time, and we'll look forward to reading a lot from you at dognation.com. I know it's a busy day today around Athens. More news and details coming out, so we'll follow that. Maybe we'll get some more info on the Ratledge injury at some point in time there as well, because that's certainly one that matters to me, in addition to a couple of other things we're also following there on the injury front that's one worth I think paying close attention to so we appreciate your time we'll look forward to hearing more from you here on our show again next week as well
3: yep tune in to watch BA uh call some high school games two games tonight check them out
0: all right thanks a lot Connor appreciate that let's take a look around the rest of the league this is SEC through so just to correct the record for a moment uh the Corky Cal Classic actually begins on Wednesday I appreciate Connor's support of what we're doing there but we'll actually kick that off for the first time on wednesday so uh looking forward to doing that there then you can maybe bring the music down just a tiny slight little bit if at all possible but uh we're looking forward to doing that on wednesday from john's creek high school a great double header worth of games three games in rome on friday those are going to be outstanding and then obviously inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. Actually, I get to call a game with Jeff Sintel. something I don't get to do a ton of. Of course, I love working with Rusty Manziel on a regular basis, but coming up on Saturday, I'll call a game with our buddy Jeff Sintel. So we'll have a little dog nation flair to the uh, Brookwood-Norcross game, which is going to be a great game, part of a quadruple header of games. Inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday, so we're really looking forward to all of that. All right, so let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let's get you ready to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Great time to do that. I'm talking. Th- I'm talking about like late summer here. Are you thinking about some of those fall type trips? Uh, I tell you, beautiful to be in the Caribbean that time of year, and I hope you'll think about doing that. I've got a couple coming up. One very late 2022, about you know probably December 2022 going to be on a short cruise and then looking forward to a week-long cruise in february of 2023 so i've got some great stuff going on for myself a couple of different royal caribbean cruise vacations booked up and ready to go and to me half the fun is having it to look forward to like i obviously love being on the cruise but i love the weeks and months worth of anticipations. one of the reasons why a lot of people kind of reach out to me sometimes hey like i had you know got reach out the day hey ba where can i watch the georgia oregon game i'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be on the ship, uh, you know, coming up the Georgia Oregon game. Where can I watch the game? And I like to sort of give recommendations related to some of those kinds of things just because I like studying up on the ships and kind of reading about which one I'm gonna be on or maybe which one I wanna be on next. I just really enjoy doing that, and uh, I want to invite you to do the same thing. Get your Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation planned, and maybe don't fly blind on this, but get some help with our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. A great travel agent does a great job of hep- helping you know which Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation is right for you, so that's what the uh, Cruise and Vacation Authority can do. So you can find them online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770 952 8,300. So make sure you check them out today. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC here with Royal Crib. I want to talk about the preseason AP poll just for a moment. I know that Connor Riley made a great point, and I don't mean to belabor this, but the music still seems loud to me, but uh, I don't know what's going on there on that. Uh, so let's uh, just kind of dive into this. The Obviously, the two teams at the top of the Associated Press poll from the SEC, Alabama at one and you think about Georgia coming in number three with the rest of the SEC here, the next highest rated team is Texas and m at six. And this is one of those things where like gambling market for the most part has a little bit of difference opinion when it comes to the AP poll. You know, AP poll thinks of A&M as a top six type team, which means you're winning, you know, 10, 11, maybe in 12 games. And that's not what the gambling market see for A&M. And I guess in this particular case, I'm probably a little bit more in line with the betters on this. Now, for me, certainly the possibility exists they could have a breakthrough season but a lot of this centers in on quarterback you've heard me say this over and over and over again what i told connor a little earlier is something i've told you many times before which is simply that of the teams kind of below the alabama georgia threshold who have a relatively high level of talent overall there are none of these teams that aren't one quarterback away from really being dangerous a&m is in that group because their overall talent level is pretty high LSU is in that group. Florida is in that group, and Auburn's in that group. Even even Auburn's just slightly, probably in that group. I don't disagree with Connor that of that quartet, LSU may be the most interesting. That may very well be the case. But any of those teams is sort of one quarterback away. I and mean, then you kind of make the comparison to a team that didn't make the preseason, you know, top twenty-five like Tennessee, who I think probably will finish in the top twenty-five here this year. But the four teams I just mentioned, good talent minus quarterback are probably any of those teams would be probably aligned ahead of a Tennessee team which we know has quarterback which we know is going to score a lot of points but doesn't quite have the overall roster strength that any of the four teams that I just mentioned kind of has although Tennessee is thought to be a point spread favorite right now at LSU and there'll also be a point spread favorite against Florida there too but if you put really good quarterback on any of the four teams that I just mentioned you might slot them ahead of a team like Tennessee here this year so there's a lot of mystery around the sec had somebody asked me yesterday what are my best over under picks in the sec here for the moment and as of right now other than you know taking a team like georgia to go 12 and 0 in the regular season and that's that's a pretty tough bet when you think about the over under of 11 and a half i don't have some strong obvious plays on season win totals i have some leans but i don't have strong obvious plays for kind of the, the reasons that i just mentioned there I do kind of like Oklahoma a little bit. They come in at number nine. That makes me a little bit of an outlier for some of the reasons that Connor also mentioned a moment ago. But if the comparison here is between Clemson, Notre Dame, you know, a team like Utah, who I think probably loses week one to Florida, a team like Michigan, who we saw them in the playoff a year ago, you know, why couldn't Oklahoma be more dangerous than them? You know, Venables bringing some toughness there. Dylan Gabriel giving them at least maybe enough in the quarterback department fun to have the conversation preseason poll gives us a chance to do that I saw where Jermaine Burton the Alabama wide receiver formerly of Georgia spoke to reporters yesterday and kind of talked a little bit about the decision to arrive at Alabama and for the moment he's kind of being treated as the leader of this group some of that's because you know at least one of the transfer they've had some injuries they've had you know kind of some weird stuff uh going on there at receiver and for now Burton's kind of the face of that group kind of the leader of the group frankly didn't say a ton about the Georgia situation. I uh, just thought Alabama was the best place for him and his family as he described that. So at this point in time, you know, his time at Georgia starts to feel a bit more distant, a lot more in the rearview mirror. You know, you'll treat him probably a little bit differently than you treat some Georgia transfers because he did go to a team we sort of think of as the Georgia arch nemesis here at the moment. But uh, but he did speak yesterday and you know Saban's been pretty complimentary of him, which Saban hasn't been complimentary of all the recent transfers into that program, at least not full complimentary for some of those guys but uh, he's been pretty complimentary of burton so far it sounds like burton's having a pretty good camp and he spoke yesterday on the other side of that uh, there's miles brennan who believe it or not has been at lsu since 2017 this is a guy who was at lsu before joe burrow got there uh, brennan you know his family deep ties to the state of louisiana and was kind of always sort of a favorite son at quarterback but given like a thousand chances to win the job never did it some of that's been related to injury but most of it's been related to performance unfortunately I don't take you know great pleasure in saying this Miles Brennan's just not a very good quarterback and had a lot of chances to win the job never really did if Brennan was good they probably don't even get Joe Burrow that that Burrow really kind of emerged because Brennan never took the reins of that starting job that some LSU fans thought he would maybe hoped he would and the rest of course became history after that well Brennan was going to transfer then decided not to and then stayed at LSU and now it's sort of decided that he's just sort of giving up football all together that he's stepping away from the sport here for a moment which obviously now puts the LSU quarterback competition squarely spotlight on Jaden Daniels the Arizona State transfer or Garrett Nussmeyer former pretty high profile recruit who was injured and missed the first scrimmage they had last Thursday now I'll tell you this just quickly sometimes I think it's good news when you see a quarterback step away from a team whether it be transfer portal and Brennan's case is outright retiring because somebody somewhere must be playing well enough to make him want to do that so whether it's Daniels who at one point in time showed some flashes at Arizona State or a guy like Nussmeyer who at least has the recruiting credentials maybe the decision for Brennan to step away is evidence that LSU is on its way towards finding a quarterback we'll see if that's the case uh i saw where uh, billy napier was asked about some of the recruiting momentum for florida as of late they've made their way into the recruiting top 10 they got three four-star defensive linemen over the course of the weekend Napier's suggesting this is evidence that good things starting to happen for the program that the you know the roots are starting to grow there a little bit for florida and maybe that's the case obviously you can't downplay the fact that from where they were ranked to where they are ranked now there are clearly things happening now that weren't happening before but when i see a lot of the florida fan chatter and some of this is directed at me for whatever reason but when i see a lot of the florida fan chatter like the one thing that they seem to not quite understand is is that they, they call him blue chip billy a little bit because of the four stars they brought in they have a high number of four stars in that class but as we told you yesterday only two of those guys right now are ranked in the top 100 on the basis of the 24 7 sports composite you heard Connor riley say this a moment ago and it stood out to me that kamari laster is actually the lowest rated cornerback georgia currently has in the competition there and he was 248 okay so that's that's the lowest rated corner that georgia has 248 and obviously many of those guys were kind of the five-star variety things like that in other words you got to have those sort of four and five-star guys to compete but be very well aware then the category of four stars not all four stars are created equal not far from it in fact and you know that's one thing for florida to kind of keep in mind that while they have collected a good number of four stars they are only just now getting really anybody who would sort of count inside that top 100 which is where the real recruiting wins take place. Finally, there's this, kind of outside the SEC, but interesting in the national race here. We didn't talk about this yesterday. probably should have. Texas had a couple of pretty serious injuries as of late, serious in terms of their impact on the season. Isaiah Nair, who's a good-looking wide receiver, and Junior Angelo, who's uh, one of their offensive linemen there as well, they're dealing with a couple of those injuries. For a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, who had a really pretty rough first year and hoping to build on some second-year momentum you know, sometimes I think we have a tendency to overrate the impact of one injury, but maybe we oftentimes underrate the impact of two. In the case of Angelo and Star, I should say Angelo and uh, uh, Nayor, a couple of injuries that sort of added together kind of suggests some some tough growing pains for Texas early season. Maybe at least and don't forget they've got Alabama week two there in Austin. So those injuries are injuries that might matter. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now. I want to focus in on a name here for Georgia for a moment here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. That's Malachi Starks. And I think when Starks was in the process of making his decision to come to Georgia, I kind of found him to be just about as impressive as almost anybody. The way he spoke, the kind of wisdom that he showed, frankly, the connection that he had to his family. I thought it was really cool. The way in which, I can't remember, I apologize for not remembering, it was. A family member's birthday during his commitment like his dad mom i can't remember but i remember after the ceremony they were all going to go to dinner together and i remember joking at the time i hope when my son and daughter are seniors in high school they're wanting to have dinner with me and do those kinds of things i hope that my family i think we will be but i hope my family's as close when they're teenagers as stark seemed to be with his family there's just something kind of cool about a young man like that that's enjoying hanging out with his family and everything that he said was like really thoughtful i thought jalen walker was a lot like that in that same class but you know not surprising necessarily that that Starks is starting to have his moment there at Georgia and something that he said while a recruit after he chose the dogs about why he was drawn towards UGA something that he said then kind of matters even more to me now let me let you go back and hear Starks when he was a recruit but the decision to choose UGA this is Malachi from way back then
2: I don't feel like another recruit not saying that I did with Alabama, Clemson, but Georgia made me feel like they actually wanted me, not that I was just some other five-star player who was just getting a jersey number. I and mean, that meant a lot to me. That was huge, and just to having that connection with all the coaches because it's different when you just have one connection with one coach, but when you have connection with all the coaches, on um, the whole coaching staff is it, it's, it's great.
0: So Stark's there saying that, hey, listen, you know, they treat me like I was not just another five-star, just another sort of trophy to put on the wall in recruiting, and it's easy to understand of how that could feel true right i mean kirby's a great recruiter across the board but when it comes to those defensive backs in particular great safeties in particular that's something that matters to Samar. now a guy like will muschamp working with those safeties at georgia co-defensive coordinator former head coach at a couple different spots there's a lot of expertise there in that room when they see a guy like malachi you know convincing him to be a defensive player maybe at one point in time malachi wanted to do both for now going to focus on defense and really working with him to see all the things that he has a chance to be. It's not surprising to use Malachi's own words here for a moment that George took special interest in him and made a special pitch to him about what he'd be able to do at UGA. And it seems like some of this kind of stuff is sort of working out here. And it seems like pretty quickly during his first year on campus, including this first preseason camp here, Starks is kind of in the midst of making a a little bit of a name for himself. And Clearly, you know, people that I've talked to who saw the scrimmage on Saturday, they all came away saying, I thought Malachi Starks looked great. And Kirby's going to temper some of that kind of stuff there a little bit, but certainly acknowledging a little bit about what's going on for Starks here thus far uh, in the preseason. This is Kirby from Saturday on that.
1: Malachi's doing a good job. As are our freshman DBs. I think our freshman DBs are going to be good football players. That doesn't mean I'm saying they're going to go out there and start, but our freshman DBs are going to help us. All those guys have shown a sign of man, he's going to be okay. He's going to be able to help us. He's going to be a good player. You know, Eric Stokes didn't do a lot his freshman year, you know, and it's just one of those things. Those guys got to grow into the position. Nowadays, your freshmen are your backups because you don't have the depth, and it really shouldn't be where they're twos, but most of our guys are twos, in some cases ones. But uh, Malachi having spring has helped him. He and Ja'Cory are both coming along really well.
0: So listen I like that and I guess I do expect Starks to be a contributor for Georgia here this season I thought that before preseason camp arrived because that's how impressive I thought Starks was coming out of high school most of you agreed there too and thus far based on some of what was said from folks who saw the scrimmage and reading between the lines a little bit from Kirby right there or even just taking the explicit text of what Kirby says it seems like some of this stuff from Malachi might be right on schedule which is great to see let me tell you about something else that's great to see how about coming up here very soon even before the college football season kicks off great event here in atlanta something we love each and every year it's the tour championship at east lake golf club the kind of finale of the pga tour season had a chance to beat east lake the other day had a great time there i'm lucky enough that last couple of years I've been able to play golf there my golf game not good enough for east lake i can promise you that but it is a great way to get excited for me about an event that i love and i'm so proud to have this here in our city at Eastlake Golf Club each and every year, the tour championship, um, with the uh, opportunity to crown the FedEx champion there when it comes to the FedEx Cup playoffs in the PGA Tour. Uh, all the money that's on the line, the great moments, Tiger Woods a couple of years ago, and all the cool things we've seen. Your chance to be a part of this, it comes up August 24th through the 28th. That's the 24th through the 28th. It's this month before football season begins. You get to see the PGA Tour Champion uh, you know, right there crowned at the FedEx Cup playoff finale at East Lake for the Tour Championship. So go to this website, it's tourchampionship.com for more details. That's tourchampionship.com. Take advantage of all the different tip, uh, ticket options available to the public, and the unique fan experience that you get for being there on the grounds. Historic course in Atlanta with a great connection to Bobby Jones and some of the best golfers. I, I've been there for this event. The way in which, as a you know gallery member, you get close enough to really see what's going on. This is as close as you can be to some of the best players on the PGA Tour. It's an extraordinary experience. I can't recommend it highly enough. And Tourchampionship.com, the place to go to get your tickets for the big event coming up, the finale of the FedEx Cup Series playoff event for the PGA tour coming up August 24th to 28th, right there at, at East Lake uh Country Club and Golf Club right here in Atlanta. All right, so golden shoe time. Our buddy Matt RuCavena shared this with me. Matt, of course, big dog fan, but Matt lives in Texas. And so he shared this, and I think this is great to see. So let me show you the uh, golden shoe here on the screen here for a moment what matt shares is is uh these texas longhorns apparently behave a lot better when you wear your national championship gear next to them and if you're not watching video it's matt and his family and that's a great photo of them standing next to that's a big old longhorn steer right there it looks almost like bevo but not nearly as sort of poorly behaved and poorly trained as bevo is bevo made a fool of himself the sugar bowl a couple of years ago this longhorn standing there doing what he's supposed to do which is bow in deference to the university of georgia national champions you love to see that thanks matt Rukovina, for sharing that and indeed we will give you a golden shoe for that today how about our gator hater updater lousy stinking gators 4,968 days since they have won a national championship and our gator hater countdown back in jacksonville 74 days from right now that is our gatorator countdown this is dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia